Hi, I'm Adam Williams, creator of Humanitu and this podcast series. I am going to kick off something new today as part of the Humanity podcast. So followers of this series know that I usually describe Humanitu as empowering connection through conversations of humanness and creativity. And so far in the past three years, since the inception of Humanitu, I've talked with somewhere close to a hundred guests. Now the, the first 75 or so of those were published in a readable Q and a format prior to my entering the podcast realm. All those readable ones are available at humanity.com, the website, as are all of the audio ones. But of course you can find those through your podcast player of choice, wherever. So now what I'm doing with the podcast is still delivering humanness and creativity, but where you can actually hear the voices of the people that I'm talking with. And what's new today is that I'm going to start fulfilling another piece of Humanitu, like I said that I would in the trailer to the podcast. So then I said that Humanitu is about cultivating a space for vulnerable sharing and that along the way I would share pieces of myself and of my own practices of humanness and creativity. And I said that we're all in this together. So as long as I'm only interviewing people, only talking with others, only getting their stories and giving them the chance to be vulnerable and share with you, then it kind of feels like I'm actually asking all of them to do the heavy lifting. They're the ones bearing themselves, digging into themselves. And it's so it sort of feels like I've been hiding a little bit. Like I'm not really fully living up to the part in the trailer where I said, we're all in this together. So this is me taking the first step to be in this all together in a bigger way, more clear and obvious way. And to fulfill that part where I say, I'm going to dig through myself in that humanness and creativity and share it with you. And that's what I'm here to do now. Riding solo. Here I am launching something that I'm going to call an experiment for now. I'm starting with this episode and committing to a series of five solo episodes on Humanitu that will get mixed in with the regular conversations, probably over the next few months, maybe handful of months. In these solo episodes, I'm going to explore a topic that spins around in my own mind. I'm going to talk about the ups and downs of my own creative and otherwise human practices. The things that I really think that we all have in common, it's just now I'm going to take part in it and, and put myself out there on the line, just like I ask of every guest when they come and talk with me. I'm going to draw on other resources too, though. So we have sound bites from the podcast episodes that we do here at Humanity, the amazing things that these amazing guests that come here uh, have to share. But I'm also going to draw from helpful tidbits that others whose work I've used as resources Maybe that's in books, maybe it's in film, music. We'll find out. Today, I'm going to talk about a few authors and books. And a lot of these things, a lot of these people, these authors, artists, spiritual teachers, leading lights and voices and creators in the world are probably people that you actually will recognize. And truth be told, as, well, as if I'd say it any other way, right? But truth, I'm hoping that these five episodes actually take hold root in, bloom, rise, and, and just carry on into more. I'd like that these solo episodes find a place of their own within the ongoing future of Humanitu so that it continues to be a mix, a mix of what I share and what guests who come and talk with me share. So without further ado, let's get it. 
today I'm going to talk about creative resistance, resistance with a capital R and imposter syndrome. I think they go hand in hand. So I've mentioned Stephen Pressfield, the author before and his book, the war of art on a couple of previous episodes. If you're not familiar with that term, resistance as Pressfield uses it, it's everything that gets in your way of creating. It could be anything. It's internal, it's external, it's all of these things. It might be an editor, a client, a friend who just says, no, that idea is no good. It might be a lack of money that you're getting to support the work. It could be all kinds of things. But far more significantly than those external things, it's an internal issue, a force that we have to contend with on a constant basis. Not just every day, but uh, again, as Pressfield, I, I think refers to it, it might be 10,000 times a day because it's every step. If you're a writer, it's every word. If you're a musician, every note, sometimes we bang up against a wall at every turn. Here's a quote from Pressfield. Actually, it says resistance is not a peripheral opponent. Resistance arises from within it's self-generated and self-perpetuated resistance is the enemy within. So I'm going to get into my, an example of how resistance shows up in my mind and my actions, how I end up ultimately allowing that voice in me to limit me and hold me back from doing my work, doing the things that kind of keep knocking at my door saying, Hey, you know, let me out, let's do this. But fear and things like that keep me from doing it. And so here's an example, doing these solo podcast episodes on Humanitu. This is stuff that I've wanted to do for a while and I would circle around it. I would come and go. But the resistance voice in my head, the voice of my nagging ego would always feed me these doubting kinds of questions. Things like, what do I really know? What do I have of value really to share? What if listeners think that my thinking or my conclusions or my angles on a particular idea or topic are just flat wrong? Doesn't everybody already know what it is that I know? And what makes me qualified to speak on really anything out loud? Even my own perspectives of humanness and creativity, you know, humanness and creativity being, of course, what humanity is all about. So it, it is in a way something that I've been doing a social uh, research project, you could say, an informal, uh, you know, effort to talk with people one-on-one -on -one and collect these stories that I say through all of us, there's a human common thread. So we all know about humanness. We all know about creativity. Even if those aren't words that we would necessarily apply, it's there. So why should I doubt that I have something to offer myself? It's a very strange thing. It's something that keeps rolling around in my head. And given that humanness and creativity is the focus, has been the broad focus of humanity for these past three years. And again, I've talked with, we're going on a hundred people about this. And I've asked every one of them to be vulnerable, to share their stories of, you know, sometimes it's, it's failings and falling down and all this stuff, because then we get to the story of resilience and what they've learned and the life lessons. And it really ties us all together because we all have fallen. And at least so far, if you're listening to this, I'm going to guess that we've all probably gotten back up. So it's those triumphant stories and it's those stories of being fully human but my own fears have kept me from doing a podcast episode like this one where I put my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own considerations for the world out there, even though, even though it might be helpful to somebody else. So why would I question that? It's resistance. 
And of all the forms of resistance that rear their heads, at least in my life, I think imposter syndrome probably is the most prominent. It's a big umbrella for a lot of issues, no doubt. Uh, imposter syndrome could include fear. It includes our personal stories of smallness or just not enoughness. It's at the heart of all those presumptuous ideas that every other creator in the world must be better qualified than me or luckier or more talented or more deserving. And then you start down that path and well, you might as well start throwing in all kinds of that nonsense where, well, and they must be better looking, must be a better parent, better lover, better friend, better laundry doer, better lunch maker. And I mean, better all around human. I mean, that's really what we're getting at, right? Like I just must be a failure. And so I'm going to rein that in. I mean, my God, if that's the voice, right, that I carry in my head sometimes, if that's the voice that you have in your head that keeps you from doing some things, then I don't know how we even get out of bed in the morning. But I have considered this. Maybe we get up because in our heart of hearts, we just know it's not true. At least we know enough to hold on to hope that we can straighten it out and find our way through that jungle of emotional, uh, whatever that is, right? There's hope. We know that we're better than what those resistance voices say. And for me, humanity is one of those lifelines. It's probably the most significant, actually. It's the most significant creative endeavor that I've ever committed to and definitely that I've ever hung on to for three full years and counting. I I have this in mind that it's an indefinite road. I'm going to continue with this. This is something that I've committed to and I've hung on to the reins for the ride. But that also means that simultaneously, it's the creative venture that has me feeling pretty much continually like I'm not enough, but also the creative venture that all has me feeling like it's the pathway that connects me the most to my sense of being enough to others and the greatest and most amazing conversations and community near and far. So here's a fantastic example from a musician and I, I call him a prolific creator. I Lujan. He was in a recent episode, episode 11 of the humanity podcast. He had many great answers on many great subjects, but here he is talking about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is real. And I honestly, I don't, I don't believe for a second that anybody is free of those feelings. I think when we compare ourselves to others, we're really missing an opportunity to get to know ourselves because we're not other people. And what really um, allows us the opportunity to do something in this world is to share our individuality, is to share our uniqueness, is to share our perspective. That's the only thing we're really required to do as creators is to be authentically ourselves. And the more we can do that, the less we compare. And the less we compare, the more success we ultimately have because success is not about numbers. It's not about likes. It's not about money. It's about how authentic we can be and how honest we could be with ourselves. That's at least what I've discovered. Okay. So I've spent and continue to spend what feels like much of my time pulling on the reins of my life, like slowing that ride down, trying to rein it in, put on the brakes for my creative interests and dreams of all kinds, I'm sure. Making excuses because what it ultimately comes down to is that I'm afraid. And it's only when the pain of not doing something exceeds the feared pain of doing it that I finally take action. Sometimes that takes years. 
to do. I read Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, three years ago. It's a 12-week self-guided action plan. It's something to help us recover our artists, our creative beings that we really are. It's considered to be a spiritual practice of sorts. And I did it for the first three months, coincidentally, as when I started Humanitu. Now, the biggest takeaway for me in that book, other than writing morning pages daily, which I still do, was to take action. Cut through the excuses. Be gentle and kind with yourself along the way. But just take one step. Take a step and then continue taking steps, just one at a time. And it can seem daunting, no doubt. Again, if it takes me years to get over some of these things and to finally take a step, it's daunting. But I recently was reminded by a spiritual teacher, mentor, a friend of mine, Jessica Patterson, of these words by the poet William Wordsworth, to begin, begin. And I carry that with me. Sometimes when I'm getting bound up, my breath is getting short, my body's tight, my mind is spinning, and I've got doubts closing in, I think of some variation of this. Just begin. The reason why that's such a big deal to me and something that takes so much effort, and not just for me, I know, which is why I'm sharing this here, to let you know that you're not alone when you go through this, is that I've spent a lifetime cutting off myself from creative work, from creative possibilities, from dreams and ambitions, and and just whatever words you want to apply to it, because I would try to forecast the entire road ahead. And almost inevitably, I would conclude that there was no path for me for blank, X, Y, Z, whatever, project. There was no, no path for me to accomplish that because I would try to start at the starting line and see all the way out and bend over the horizon and see the finish line with whatever pot of gold, which I probably wasn't even specifically trying to picture, but it was just a matter of I need to know it's safe. I need to know I'm going to be accepted, not criticized. I need to know that all these things, right? And if I couldn't see all that, then I'd bail out before I even started. And I'd tell myself, I'm not good enough, I'm not lucky enough, connected enough to the right people. Others have done it, done it better than I ever could. I'm not going to make money at it. Nobody's going to support this. Everybody's going to criticize me. I don't really have all the skills I need yet, or maybe the equipment. And I don't have the money that I should spend on the equipment, or the gear, or the art materials, or whatever it might have been. And then, of course, there's the matter of time and, and age somehow factors in there. Now isn't the time. Well, later isn't the time. You know, I'm pretty sure that the best time probably was when I was 23, right? I mean, that was a long time ago. How much of my life, how much of your life have you spent thinking it's in your 20s that you're supposed to do this? It's in your 30s that you're supposed to do that. And just plain missing the boat because we decided to put those rules on ourselves. And it really is about that procrastination and fear and thinking that there's something wrong with how we're going about everything. I miss that 23-year-old boat, but I have pretty much gotten tired of the idea that that means I can't do those things. I learned to snowboard when I was 40, and I'm sure there are people who have been older than me when they learned to snowboard, but I was sure glad I didn't let the age thing get in the way of that. And so I do that now with art as well. It's all taking action, and the artist way really helped lead me on that. Another book, another author who has some great things to say in this arena. I'm sure you've heard of her, Elizabeth Gilbert. 
She's the author of Eat, Pray, Love. But in her book, Big Magic, she has a great list of these self-defeating excuses that I'm sure resonate with pretty much every creator. And resistance makes us so afraid of the creative life that it's that list of excuses that becomes endless. And a lot of those excuses that Gilbert writes in her list in Big Magic, they're painfully funny. Like you read down through that and they resonate and you recognize them so much that you want to laugh at like, oh yeah, I know that one. And at the same time, it hurts because you know that one so intimately. They're just so on the nose. And ultimately... At the end of the chapter where this list that Gilbert has put out there for us, she just cuts it off because she acknowledges, hey, this can go forever. I I don't have time for all that. And then she doesn't even try to sum it up with a pat on the back or some sort of pretty bow on top that assures us everything's going to be okay. Just ignore that list. Everything's going to be okay. Instead, she's pretty much acknowledging this is scary. The last line in that chapter is, everything is so goddamn scary. But I think in doing that, what she does is binds us all in the shared understanding that that list of self-defeating fears, that our resistance voices and those doubts and all that emotional internal cloud and hurt that relentlessly pours over us, that we're all in it together. You're not alone for feeling that. And I don't know about you, but it makes me feel better to know I'm not alone. So I'm going to pull I'm going to pull one of those fears in that list out because this one has been at least as big an obstacle to me as anything, I think. At least today that's what I think. It's the one that I've attached so much preemptive imagined fear and doubt, smallness and even shame to. I say the word shame and I think of Brené Brown these days. Here's the line that I pull out From Gilbert's list, you're afraid that someday you'll look back on your creative endeavors as having been a giant waste of time, effort, and money. So, like I described moments ago, I so often have looked ahead and preemptively called off the whole venture because I couldn't see the whole road. And that means I've stopped myself before starting on countless creative ideas that might very well have been brilliant and they sure as hell came right from the heart And that meant that they were pure and had good intentions and reasons to exist, but I stopped them. And I don't know, but I suppose the ego then gets to be all soothed. It wins the day and it gets to walk away saying, well, I guess I get to hold my head high that I didn't make a fool of myself. I didn't go out there and get criticized and told that I was wrong, right? I brought no shame on myself, on my name, on my creativity because I didn't bother to put my tender heart into those creative endeavors only to look back at them as having been a giant waste of time, effort, and money. But when that's the case, when I've cut myself off from that path of creating and I've done it for years and I've done it for project and idea after project and idea, what is it that I have to look back at? What is it that you have to look back at? Or when you look back, assuming some of you have, at least some of you have had this experience like me, what is it that you have to feel proud of? You know, what, what can you look back at is, if nothing else, simply a milestone in your creative and human journey to measure against that milestone, that mark on the road where we can look back and say, wow, 10 years ago, I thought I did something that was really great, but now I know that I've grown so much 
that my level of greatness has climbed even higher. You know, we need those milestones. Again, referring to Inea Lujan, the musician and creator who I talked with not too many episodes ago for Humanitu. He talks about, he describes them as summits. That we each have our own summit to climb. Yet when we get to the tip of that mountain, we can see more summits around us, past us, out on the horizon, more opportunities for us to grow, to create, to climb, and to accomplish something else, but that we're all on our own summit. We all have our own work to do. We don't need to compare. We can just view, this is my summit, and that's the next one. We want those measurements and can feel proud in every step along the way. It's growth. So another insight from Gilbert, real quick, because this one has been key, and I've already indirectly referenced it throughout this talk. Fear is boring. I would go for years with an idea. Maybe it was to quit a job at a company. Maybe it was to change something else in my life. These aren't all about art projects. It's not all about getting into art galleries. We all have this creative, inherent, innate, creative essence to ourselves. We create and contribute in the world, but sometimes we're afraid to put ourselves out there for whatever the endeavor is. And when it has taken me years to do it, you know what ultimately gets me over the hump? It's getting so bored with the cycle and the circle in my head. I'm tired of hearing my voice say, oh, only if, or what if, or if I could, I'm tired of the ifs. I'm tired of the boredom of the fear. You know, that amount and the variations of excuses. It's what our egos put on us. It's a steady choking stream that is just boggling. I don't know where it comes up with all the answers. So here's how I think we can look at this as actually triumph. Even if it takes you five years to get through that boredom of fear and over that choking stream of excuses. To withstand all of that and create despite it is a feat in itself. So... We win simply by not letting resistance hold us down, by marching ahead, continuing with the endeavor, and doing it all despite all the naysaying that, again, most of which comes from within us. You know, to create anyway, what that really does is require listening with such focus and trust and determination to our own good internal voices, our hearts, our spirit, our however you want to look at that, that we have to gently and courageously listen and feel for the vibrations that sing through the noise, that internal roar of the downer voices that are trying to dissuade us. We do have the good voice in there as well. Sometimes it gets muffled by all those voices that are trying to derail our courageous, creative flow. It's about listening closely and practicing that. And here's something really key that I've come to recognize. The ego is a fragile, bitter, brittle child of an antagonist in this story that we're living. It's always the sneering villain that's just hanging out at the fringes of the scene, right? It's looking for moments to cut in and insert drama, pain, doubt. It's never that support mechanism. It's never the part that speaks up saying, you have light to shine. Do that. I love you. You know, it's not the one that's soft and cuddly and 
encouraging. It's not the, the voice that urges us to love ourselves and fulfill our callings and leap and fly. So our duties as creators and contributors of good and worthy in the world, they're at least as much about overcoming the relentless drama stirring of those villainous egos as they are about the creative results that we actually end up birthing into the world. The pain and the suffering, the agony that we go through along the way, when that gives way to the birth of this thing into the world, that is, that is the first success. And maybe it's the only one. And maybe it's the only one that matters, actually. The work, the colorful, lyrical, crafted gifts that arise from within us, ultimately then are the reward. That, that's, that's what we get, first and foremost, from all those fights that we survive against that enemy within. Remember, press field calling resistance, the enemy within, and are simply bringing what we contribute to humanity, to community, to family, to self, bringing those things into the light. We're conduits. We're the hands and physical beings that bring these creative pieces and projects of art and value in the world into existence from whatever spiritual realm you identify with. And I realize not everybody does identify with something they consider spiritual, but it is something that I have encountered repeatedly through books like the ones that I've mentioned. There is something that I'm exploring deeper and deeper in that sense, that to be a creator is to be tapping into a spiritual flow in whatever way you define that for yourself. Another line from Pressfield here and the war of art. And what he says is the more resistance you experience, the more important your unmanifested art or project or enterprise is to you, the more gratification you will feel when you finally do it. Right? So the more resistance we feel, the more we feel when we fight through it and we birth that work into the world. When we fall short, though, when, when we allow a moment of fear to take hold and separate us from our creative duties, when we give in and do not shine out what arises through us, we're closing the door on what I have decided recently. Like in the past several days, I've really strongly come to this decision that these are things that must occur. So if we fall short and allow ourselves to be separated by resistance from that spiritual creativity within us, then I've decided we've fallen short of what actually must occur. I have to fight through that. And I've learned there will be an eruption otherwise, right? Spend five years fearing and then getting bored. And ultimately there's an eruption of I'm leaving this company, which by the way, I guess as an example, I've done a couple of times, you know, conventional wisdom says you don't leave one job until you have another job. That's resistance. Those are the resistance voices that tell us to be afraid, to not believe. But I can tell you that I have left companies twice without another job to go to, without another paycheck. And my wife has done the same. And we have survived and thrived for what that's worth. So fear is boring. And speaking of looking back at some of those things and thinking about it being wasted time or money or effort, here's also another thing that I've come to, a conclusion that I have reached at this time. What I see when I look back at all the creative work that I did not do but wanted to, I see that as lost time. It's not wasted time creating. It's lost time not creating. 
So I've missed out on the opportunity to even look back and say, oh, well, I wish I hadn't created it that way. I just have nothing to look back at and no mile markers to measure my growth from. And this is kind of where I am now with these solo podcast episodes. This is why I'm talking to you right now, today. It's been really easy for me to interview people and put those people forward. I'm a former journalist. I don't know how many hundreds of people I've interviewed and stories I've written and all kinds of things over the past nearly 20 years. But it's always about other people and putting them forward and then calling my craft the behind the scenes part. And while that all is completely legitimate, and I very much appreciate people who do that work, there's been something stirring in me for a long time that wants to also have voice. And when I put Humanity forward, and especially as podcast form, when I said, we're all in this together, and I am going to make myself vulnerable, just like I ask every one of my guests to be vulnerable. So far, I have fallen short on that because I allowed the voice to keep stopping me, thinking that you wouldn't want to hear what I have to say, thinking that you wouldn't like what I have to say, that I'm not good at what I have to say, that my thoughts are just plain wrong, and so on, right? That's resistance. And so I've come to this understanding of the creative life. Here's what I'm deciding. This week, I have dug in on this. And it's what I'm carrying as practice going forward. We are given what we are given by the gods. I've been tasked with this particular work. Humanitu, interviewing, writing, speaking, all of this work that I'm doing. And I've come to accept it as my spiritual and creative duty to bring forward what I have to offer. That's it. This is what I have been given. I wasn't meant to be the lead singer of whatever the most popular pop band is out in the world now. I wasn't meant to be, well, anything except what I am. Except who I am. Except the being that I am and, and what I have to offer. So that, in a way, unlike any other time, is what I'm embracing right now. It keeps knocking to get out. It keeps circling around saying, let's talk. So that's what I'm doing. It's got to happen. Must. I might have a choice to fight against it. But I've already talked about a bunch of those choices where you, you just turn away from it. You try to fight the flow. So what I've decided is after spending years walking that path, I'm going to turn and go with the flow. And know that what I'm doing is actually satisfying what it is that the gods have given me to offer in the world. Doesn't mean I'm the only one who talks on a podcast. Doesn't mean I'm the only one who writes or the only one who thinks. Clearly, Stephen Pressfield, Elizabeth Gilbert, Julia Cameron, three people right there I'm using as sources who talk about similar things. And that doesn't mean that I don't have a voice as well and that you don't either. So from the perspective that each of us as creators are conduits for our sensual work, assigned by these gods, no less, this work must be fulfilled and no one outside of me or you, they don't need to be pleased with what we create. And certainly not everyone does. So regardless of who has come before me, who might do it more perfectly, who might not pay me for it, and any of the other countless excuses that the resistance voices try to drown me in, here's the practice I'm sharing with you. Do the work anyway. All right, we detach ego and personality from the work. And I know that's not easy. It's perpetual. Just like resistance works relentlessly, we have to work relentlessly to hear that voice that is urging us through, through the darkness of the resistance. And listen only to that calling. Because for each of us, it's sacredly ours. 
whether anyone else gets it or not. And to deny the gods, to shrink from what we feel, not think, not think, but feel is our truest, most authentic self, is living by half steps. To fear others' opinions of us and our work, to fear putting our full selves into the world, I think it's to live by implied apology. It's like to put our bestest selves, our truest and most authentic and best feeling selves on a shelf and then say to the world, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for having wanted to be that, for having wanted to be me, to be authentic, to contribute. I'm sorry. And that just, that, that, that feels weird. It feels weird even coming out of my mouth to talk about any of us having to live by apology, but I'm not so sure that that's not what we're doing. We just haven't put those words to it, maybe. We deserve better than that. We're stronger and more capable than that. So to wrap up, I'm going to leave you with this simple exercise. Consider, what do you want to create in the world? Just choose one thing. One thing you want to contribute, to give, to offer in whatever form. Write that down on one sheet of paper. And then on a second sheet of paper, what forms of resistance are you feeling telling you not to do that thing? You can write those down on a separate sheet because you're going to get rid of it one way or another. Whether that's to burn, to set it alight, or just to toss in the recycling bin. But then before you do that, read each sheet aloud, noticing how they make you feel. How does... How does the idea of creating this thing that maybe you've held a long time that you want to add to the world, how does that idea make you feel to think of actually accomplishing it? And then how do those resistance voices, all the things that beat you down, how do those make you feel? And then I would suggest go toward the light. Go toward your own light. And you do that by writing down one action, just one that you can take today in favor of living in that light. You write it on the same sheet where you wrote what you wanted to create in the world, and then you keep that one. Put it up on the bathroom mirror. Put it on the refrigerator. Put it wherever you need to put it or to hold on to it, your nightstand. Read it every morning. Read it every night. Whatever you need to do to review it daily or as often as necessary, and stay in that light. It's your own light. It's yours. It's yours. You know, this is a battle against the enemy of resistance. And here's one last thought from Stephen Pressfield. We feed resistance with power by our fear of it. Master that fear, and we conquer resistance. And I'll add, we conquer the enemy within. It's all a practice. It's ongoing, again, perpetual, relentless. We have to be at least as much that way as resistance is. So what we do is we recognize it when it's there. We recognize what that voice is that's tightening up our chest, that's making us afraid of that thing, giving us anxiety. And we do the work anyway. Starting now. So those were my thoughts on creative resistance and imposter syndrome. And I gave you a few resources along the way, and I'll include those in show notes on the website at humanity.com. I appreciate your being part of something new with me today and for listening to Humanity Overall. I hope you've listened to some of the conversations that I've had with amazing people and that you'll come back for what is starting off as a five-episode series. Again, I want to keep it going. So if you do have comments or something that you'd like to share with me, maybe it's your own story, or maybe it's topical suggestions, some sort of 
thing that's been eating at you that you'd like for me to consider? If that topic is true to me and something that I genuinely have some consideration that I can add, I'd love to do it. And you know, maybe in a future episode, if we collect up enough of these sorts of resistance voices and the things that we all share in common, maybe we can do an episode that puts it all together. So if you have something you want to send to me, you can reach out at adam at humanity.com or by Instagram direct message at humanity. And like I said, the names of the books and authors and other things from this episode will be in show notes at humanity.com where you also can subscribe to the monthly email newsletter. So until the next episode, I am Adam Williams, creator and host of the Humanity Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you.